We've built this product that sits in a patient's home and talks to them. It's a cute little robot, <laughs> about 16 inches tall, named Maybu, and has a conversation with that person each day. And what it's trying to do is learn about that individual and their needs. That's Dr. Corey Kidd, our guest today on the Oliver Wyman Health Podcast. Corey's here to explain how robots are replacing doctors and how his company's interactive robot called Maybu cares for people with chronic conditions. The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. To learn more, follow us on Twitter at OW Health Editor and subscribe on iTunes. Hello, and welcome to the Oliver Wyman Health Podcast. I'm Sam Glick, partner in the Health and Life Sciences Practice here at Oliver Wyman. In this episode, we're speaking with Dr. Corey Kidd, who's the founder and CEO of Catalia Health. It's a cloud-based healthcare platform based here in San Francisco. Corey's an MIT-educated health technology expert, and he's passionate about the evolving role artificial intelligence and robotics play in healthcare, uh, as well as advancing patient engagement using those technologies. Corey, welcome to Oliver Wyman Health. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. Delighted to have you here. Uh, before we dig in, tell us a little bit about yourself and Catalia and how you ended up here. Sure. So quick background is I've been building healthcare technology for over two decades now. Uh, about half of that time was in academia. You mentioned uh, one of my stops along the way at MIT, about six and a half years there. And the last 10 years, I've uh, focused on commercializing this type of technology. Overall, it's been about uh, taking cutting-edge technology, which is you know kind of cool and fun, but focused on solving real-world healthcare challenges, particularly around adherence and behavior change and helping patients better manage the challenges that are going on in their lives. So the quick introduction to Catalia Health is we focus on chronic disease management. So we help patients who are dealing with things on an ongoing basis to do a better job of that, get them information and keep them better connected to the people that are providing care, the doctors, the nurses, and the pharmacists. Terrific. And, you know, it's interesting. So... I think some of us have reflected on uh, the first revolution in modern medicine was really about fixing what used to kill people very quickly. Uh, things like infectious disease, women dying in childbirth, uh, making it so that when you go into the hospital, you have higher odds of coming out than you do of not. Um, you know, some, some things that were in their own way incredible scientific revolutions. Um, but as a result, we now have people living a lot longer than they used to. Um, we have diseases like diabetes and congestive heart failure and cancer and uh, any number of other diseases that, while not quite diseases of old age, are the kinds of diseases um, that are diseases of affluence and diseases of longevity um, that are killing people, chronic conditions that are killing people. Um, and we haven't quite had a revolution in those. We've talked a lot about behavior change and preventative health. Uh, do AI and robotics look like that kind of revolution that we saw in infectious disease with modern medicine um, for diabetes and CHF and other chronic conditions, or what role do they play? Well, I think they're an important component of it, right? You talk about these things that we're now living with, you know, for not days, the stuff that you talked about that killed us a century ago, you know, if you found out you had one of those that was it. Yeah. <laughs> now you're diagnosed with something that are these chronic conditions, and you're not living with this for weeks or months. It's often years or even decades. And so the challenge then is that medicine today doesn't happen so much 
in a medical location, right? It's not happening in the yeah. doctor's office or in the hospital. It's happening in our everyday lives. And so I think there are a number of pieces that make up this next revolution that we need to have happen. Technology definitely plays an important role, but so does the intersection of psychology and medicine. Just understanding not only clinically what should we be doing if we're diagnosed with one of these things, but how do we actually do that? How do we fit it into our lives? And you know, the reminders and other things that technology are able to provide is one small component of that. And we've seen a lot of people trying to build that part of the solution. But how do we get even smarter with how technology interacts with us in our everyday lives and supports the things that we're trying to do? One of the challenges that we see is, you know, if I am diagnosed with a condition or maybe I get a new treatment for something I've been dealing with, I'm really motivated right then to do it. And I set out to do it every day. Now, the reality is a few weeks later, <laughs> maybe not. I'm probably yeah. not doing so good. A few months later, you know, even worse. So how do we help support people in the things that they're trying to do already? And do you, do you have an example of that? Give me a Catalia patient story. So I could talk about a couple things. I'll talk about yeah. what we're doing at Catalia Health. We actually just launched a product for heart failure patients. And we think about patients in particular who've been recently diagnosed. And so what that actually means for that person is they probably went into the hospital with chest pains. Suddenly they have this diagnosis. A few days later, they've got this bag of new medications they're taking. They're told to be on a low sodium diet. Oh, you need to check your weight every morning. There's all this stuff that's overwhelming. And you know, so we've built this product that sits in a patient's home and talks to them. It's a cute little robot, <laughs> about 16 inches tall, named Maybu, and has a conversation with that person each day. And what it's trying to do is learn about that individual and their needs. Now, we build these around particular disease states. So in heart failure, it knows to check in with that patient each morning about their weight and, oh, how's it going with your meds today? And oh, can we talk about that low sodium diet some, some more? Mm -hmm. You know, it's really important that you stick with that. So it's about helping to you know, use the educational content that we already know is delivered to a patient on that last, you know, hour or so before they leave the hospital by the discharge nurse. Yeah. <laughs> but that's pretty overwhelming. How do we spread that out over time? How do we check in with that patient? And then how do we take what we learn from those conversations and get back to their cardiologist or their general practitioner or the care manager nurse, someone who's providing that follow-up. So now they know how that person is doing and can reach out and give them a call if they need some help. And, and, I mean, Maybu is a, a fascinating, I think, concept and a really compelling intervention, but it's not a new idea. So that, you know, historically that person would leave the hospital and we would follow up with a phone call or we might send a home health worker to their home or we might bring them back in or we might even assign them a nurse care manager. Is Maybu a replacement for all of that? How does she fit into all of that? So you've got all these people that are working on doing this job today and they're doing a great job of it. The problem is they're stretched too thin. You know, going back to what we were talking about a minute ago, we've got you know, about half of the adult population in this country dealing with a chronic disease on a daily basis. And you know, so that would leave the other half to care for them, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so just in terms of numbers, we can't have the frequency of follow-up care that we'd love to have. You know, we're doing work across a number of different disease states. Sometimes our patients might today get a call a week, sometimes a call a month, sometimes it's less frequent than that. So instead of replacing those people, we're augmenting them. We're giving this tool to the patients that gets the information back to the human caregivers, if you will, and letting them follow up now on an as-needed basis. So instead of let's schedule a, a call on the calendar every month and you know give you a call, oh, hey, how's everything been going the last month? Well, you know, three weeks ago, 
Now we can call when there's an issue. So those same people are still providing the care, but they can really provide the care when that is needed, as opposed to just we kind of spread it out over everyone now as best we can. Yeah. No, it's, it's fascinating to me, and I think kind of about the role of technology and engaging with people. And, uh, you know, I think at first blush, many of us will think about something like Meibu or, or, you know, a technology in the home uh, and wonder if it's kind of off-putting um, or if it is a cold substitute for human interaction. And then as we look at other kinds of interventions, we know that cognitive behavioral therapy online actually works better, not worse, uh, than in person because people are more forthcoming. We know that people are willing to talk about things on social media or in patient support groups online that they would never talk about in person. And are you finding some of that with Meibu? Is Meibu engaging with people in ways that, that humans actually never do? Absolutely. So, you know, Meibu is not just a new concept we dreamed up at Catalia Health. So this company is about four years old. The work behind Meibu goes back almost two decades now. And so it really started with a foundation not in technology, but in psychology. And so when I started working with these kinds of robots, you know, I'd already been in the health tech space for a little while, started playing with these, you know, cute little interactive robots, thought there was some promise there, and spent a few years doing this whole series of studies about the psychology of interaction. A lot of us spend a lot of time in meetings face-to-face -face with other people. You know, if you're like me, you spend a lot of time on airplanes getting to those meetings, sometimes yep. more than you yep. <laughs> spend at the meetings themselves. I just did that this week. Why do we go to that effort? Because face-to-face -face really makes a difference. And we actually know psychologically what that difference is. When we're face-to-face -face with someone, we're more engaged in the conversation, we're creating a stronger relationship. There are a number of other differences as well. And as it turns out, those differences carry over into the world of technology. In other words, when you put that cute little robot there that can look someone in the eye while it's talking yeah. to them, we get the psychological effects of face-to-face -face interaction. So that's the basis of why we use that physical thing as our interface to the patient. From a technology perspective, it would be a lot easier to you know, ship out an app on the smartphones or tablets that people already have, but you don't get the kind of engagement that we see when you have something like Meibu actually there in the home. And so is that one of the big differences between Meibu and an Amazon Echo or a Google Home? There's a number of differences. That's, the, that's definitely one of them. The fact that this thing actually looks at you is not a gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> There's real psychology behind that in showing how and why that makes a difference over time. But the other big difference is how the conversations are created. So we're not using chatbot-like technology. We're not listening for the patient to say something or ask a question and give an answer. Meibu's actually driving the conversation. So there's a lot of knowledge in there about that patient's disease state and the associated challenges with that, whether it be about the symptoms of the disease, the side effects of the medications or treatments, or even the psychosocial issues. So, you know, we know with a lot of these people, we've got higher incidence of stress, anxiety, and depression. Most people dealing with a chronic disease are going to deal with that at one point or another. So there's a lot of information in there to be able to talk to patients, make suggestions, but just as importantly, to even understand those things are happening. And like I was saying earlier, get that information back to the doctor or the nurse or the pharmacist that's helping to provide care. Got it. So. I have to ask, we're in the, the business of healthcare. How does that part of Meibu work? Who pays for Meibu? Who has the incentive to pay with May, for Meibu? Have you worked with payers and providers? How does it all come together? So what we're doing on the interface side, how we're talking to patients is definitely unique and novel and different. There's nothing else mm -hmm. like this out there on the market. 
the business side of our company is deliberately the opposite. We're not doing anything new. Okay. <laughs> you started talking a few minutes ago about how there are all these people providing care management today. We do the same kind of thing. So our customers are right now big pharma and large healthcare systems. In each case, they're looking for a scalable solution. They are spending a lot of money today on care management programs. And right now they're all human powered and they simply can't hire enough humans or can't afford to hire enough humans. There's both challenges, yeah. just the number of people out there and the cost uh, of doing that to have the frequency of follow-up care that we would like. So that's the world that we fit into. So, you know, looking like a care management program at a pharmacy or looking like, you know, a home health, you know, sending nurses out to patients. So those are the worlds that we fit into uh, from a business perspective. And is it working? Are there partners you can talk about? Uh, it is working. So we will actually be making some very exciting announcements later this year about several of our partners. We have launched a product uh, earlier this year with Kaiser Permanente. So their patients are using our heart failure product. We're working with a number of other healthcare systems around the U.S. So we'll be launching with a few others before the end of the year. And on the pharma side, some of our large customers will be rolling out by this fall. So we've got a couple other disease dates ready to go, and we'll be excited to announce who we're working with in the coming months. Well, that's exciting. We'll have to uh, wait and hear. Where do we go from here, both, I think, at Catalia, but just in the industry in general? Well, I can start with Catalia because that's something I think about every day. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we're working on, broadly speaking, making Meibu smarter and able to help more people. And so that means a few things for us. Part of it, you know, going back to the business question is how do we take the things that we've built around certain disease states and get them out to more patients? The other is we're constantly working to build out around additional disease states. So, you know, we've got a clinical team and a writing team is about half of our product team. Only half of us are uh, people with technology backgrounds. And so we're always working to develop new content, new disease states, new information in the product so that we can help more patients. So that's you know, going to be work for us for the foreseeable future. There's just a whole lot that we have to do there. More broadly, there are a lot of challenges to solve in healthcare. I think that robotics is having an impact in a few places. You know, robotics in healthcare in terms of surgery, in terms of delivering things around the hospital, or a few places that we've seen some interesting technologies in recent years. AI, I think, is going to have a much more broad impact in the near future. Partly it's easier to deploy, and there are a lot of data-related challenges in healthcare that we need to solve. Some of those are going to involve AI. Some of them are not. You know, There are challenges that uh, everyone in healthcare is familiar with around data interchange yeah. and you know, what we can do there. Uh, but as we get smarter and more connected in terms of the data and the data that's available, then I think that's where AI can really come into play about how we solve some of these many challenges within healthcare. Thinking about that, if I'm somebody who works in healthcare, I'm a home health aide or I'm a nurse manager um, or I'm a case manager or I'm somebody else, um, should I be worried? Should I be looking for a new job? Or is this a supplement to what I do? <laughs> I don't think there's any fear. I don't think we're going to have enough people to fill the jobs that we have for uh, <laughs> any point in our lifetime. So, you know, it's definitely not about replacing those people. It's about filling in the gaps and providing additional care because that's really what's needed. You know, we're doing the best we can with the people that we have, but we'd love to be able to provide an even higher level of care to people. And that's the kind of problems that we're trying to solve. You know, one of the things that we spend a lot of time thinking about and working on at Catalia Health is how we take this data that we get and integrate it into existing workflows. So if you're the person on the other end, if you're the doctor, if you're the nurse who's talking to these patients, interacting with them on a 
daily, weekly, monthly, whatever basis, how do we get you the actionable data that you need that fits into the systems that you use today? So I think the exciting thing is if you are you know, a person working in one of those areas is that, you know, starting now, you're going to start getting access to more and more information about patients, ideally, that's very actionable. Right. So we're not trying to dump all the data that we get on someone. We're trying to figure out what are the key things that you need? What are the indicators that you want about what's going on with this person that's going to let you follow up and provide the care that you need to? Katalia's job is to, is to get insights out of that. It's not to allow the doctor to be a to eavesdrop all day long every day. Exactly. That's yeah. So we're yeah, we're not giving the the doctor or the nurse those conversations. We're getting data out of that. Yeah. What are the key things that you need to know about those patients? Got it. Corey, I'm going to ask you my my last question. I ask this of all the guests. If you had all the time, money, resources, space in the world uh, to do something to fix healthcare, what would you do? Exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, this is a problem that I've been focused on for more than 20 years now. There is a huge need for it. You know, I think we're making some great advances, but there's, uh, you know, so much more to go. And so I'm constantly working to figure out ways that we can do this, you know, at scale, do it faster. You know, how can we really get there in solving some of these challenges around chronic disease management and aging? Terrific. Dr. Corey Kidd, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you here, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. For more information on today's episode, visit health.oliverwyman.com, follow us on Twitter at OWHealthEditor, and subscribe on iTunes.